Here's the biblical encouragement ahead of us today on Abounding Grace. Don't quit. I know you're tired. I know it's hard. I know you might have been distracted a little bit. I know you might be frustrated. I know the angst level is super high right now. Don't quit. Come back. Remember you're at Mount Zion. You're looking forward to the city. The angels are surrounding you. You're enjoying the presence of God. Heaven is coming for you. Heaven is your eternal reward. You you can live at the kingdom of God here on earth as you pray to Him and seek Him. This is amazing grace. Looking forward to our time together with you today, and welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is nearing the end of a lengthy study in Hebrews, and we'll cover some more ground in chapter 12 today. The gospel is to be of first importance. Everything comes from the gospel, to the gospel, and through the gospel for the believer. Our identity and purpose in life starts there. But we also want to be aware of some real temptations to leave the pure and true gospel, just like the Hebrew believers were tempted to do nearly 2,000 years ago. Here's Pastor Ed with part two of You Have Come to the Mountain of Grace. I've learned a lot about my flesh in 2020. I hope you have. Not about my flesh, but about your flesh. I hope you have. Just coming up against it and just really, ugh, just, I can't tell you how many times I just like, oh, that's about all I can say about it. It's like, oh, it's like the... I guess the word is angst. But the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Ever. And that's where these guys are. Different reason. But they're in the same place. They're just thinking, this, I don't want to run this race. It's too hard. It's too painful. It's too difficult. And I don't want to run anymore. For them, they were tempted toward legalism and formalism. But you and I, we may be tempted in different ways. And for them and for us, the answer is the same. Don't quit. Run your race. Endure. Persevere. By the grace of God, you will make it. So what does he say here in verse 18 with that in mind? For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and blackness and darkness and tempest. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word shall not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. This is after Paul said in in chapter 12, hey, those are people who are weak around you, people ready to quit. They got feeble knees, hanging down arms, go along and help them and strengthen them. And and then it's almost like Paul saying in these paragraphs, you want to go backwards? Do you understand what going backward actually means? Do you remember the time, he says, of Moses when he received the Ten Commandments? Do you remember how holy God presented himself? Remember how hard it was for them? It was so terrifying and so hard and so difficult that it says right here in the text, the people begged for God not to talk to them. I mean, you're in a place now where you have Messiah, you have freedom, you have forgiveness, and you want to go back 
to a time where it was so difficult and so hard and so scared. There was nobody representing God except for Moses. And even Moses was afraid of God. Do you want to go back there? Do you want to go back to a time when there was no one speaking on your behalf? Do you want to go back to a time when it was hard and challenging? Where blackness, thats a time that's described by blackness, darkness, storms. There was a distance between man and God that nobody could cross. You know, like then, even now, God is holy and man is not. Because if man could be holy on his own, he wouldn't need to give the Ten Commandments. But he did. And this whole paragraph is like, remember Moses, and then he asked the question, do you really want to go back? Are you sure you want to go back to the law? Are you sure you want to quit? Are you sure you want to stop running your race? And that's the word of God to you today. Are you sure you want to quit? Are you sure you want to run away? Are you sure you want to be distracted? Because that is not going to be a good choice for you. As I say often with my kids, seeing the decision they make, just letting you know, you know, I don't think that's going to end very well. You keep on that, I don't think it's going to end very well. I don't think you're going to get what you're expecting. I don't think that you're going to accomplish what you desire by that series of decisions, but they're not my decisions to make. That's what God's saying. I don't think it's going to end very well if you choose to quit. I know it's hard, and I expect it'll get harder. Harder, difficulty. I was just talking to a brother yesterday, and we were talking about situations. I've adopted a new phrase, as I've seen it in my own life. You know, there's pain upon pain, and things become harder than hard. And that's how I choose to express some of the difficulties I've faced in my life, especially in the last seven years, even recently. It's just harder than hard. But God is faithful. So you could be harder than hard, than harder than hard. And God's going to still be faithful. You're still going to be able to make it. Why? By the grace of God. By His strength and His goodness. You're still going to make it because God loves you. And He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. And Jesus Christ was brutally murdered for His kindness and love. He was buried, but he rose again three days, and he's alive right now, inviting you into a relationship with him. That's how much God loves you. He sent his only begotten son for you, and that hasn't changed. He loves you and wants you to be in relationship with him. And, and so do you want to go backwards, believer? I hope not. But even if you do, listen, there's a contrast now in verse 22. He says, it's not like then. He says, but you, and that word of contrast, you, and I want you to mark this if you like to write in your Bibles. It says, you have come. It doesn't say you might come. It doesn't say one day you will come. He says, born again believer, this is where you are right now. This moment, as I speak, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God and to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, to the blood of the sprinkling, what speaks better things even of that of Abel. You have come. This is where you are. This is a spiritual thing. This isn't physical Mount Zion. Although when those of you that will be coming to Israel with us in November will take you, will be on Mount Zion physically. This is not physically, it's spiritually. These are all spiritual things. You are in a position of grace. You've come to the Mount of Zion. Why? By the grace of God. You're not at the Mount. You weren't with Moses. You're in a different time. You're in the new covenant. You are there right now. I mean, and look at how it's described. 
not blackness, darkness, and storms. It's described as, in verse 22, the city of the living God. Remember, Abraham was looking for that city whose builder and maker is God. You've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to an innumerable company of angels that worship God day and night and serve him. Verse 23, you've come to a general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. You're with all believers of every generation that have loved God and served him. And you made it that you're there. You're right there. And notice it says you are registered. Then it made me think, you know, here we are. You have to register to be at church. And you think you're going to get rid of registration? You got to register to get into heaven. I got the same response every service. A lot less this one. It is dumb. You won't have to register in heaven. You know what it is? You know what it's referring to? It's much better. It means your name is written in the book of life. By the blood of Jesus, you're already registered every single time. And it's so good to know that your names are written in the book of life. And that's how you get in. It's not by your good deeds and not by all your good works. It's by God's grace. You want to leave God's grace and go back to, go back to a, a place of fear and torment and uncertainty and lack of clarity of who God is? No. He describes it, notice, about this new covenant. The blood that sprinkles, it's the final sprinkling of blood that's better than even the blood crying out with Cain and Abel and the situation in their family. We're looking to God of this festival gathering, joy unspeakable, full of glory. Heaven is coming for us. We can look forward to it. But more than anything, better than heaven, better than the city, better than all this is verse 24. You've come to Jesus and he's described here as the mediator, the go-between is what that word means. The one that stands between you and God. Would you turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 2? This is so important, especially for those of you that have come out of a religious church or a man-made religion like Roman Catholicism. This is very important for you to understand what the Bible teaches. Because unfortunately in that system of religion, some were taught, I mean anyone in that system is taught wrong. And maybe some of you were taught wrong. Because you were taught, and, and it's still very much uh, approved today, that you have more than one mediator. That, that you can go through saints to get to God. And that even to get to Mary, you've, I mean, get to Jesus, you've got to go through his mom, Mary. But the Bible doesn't teach that. It's not true. It's man-made. And look at what the Bible has to say, because you want to see it for yourself. And I'm going to quiz you on it, so study hard, all right? Study hard. Verse 5, chapter 2 of 1 Timothy. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Pop quiz. How many mediators are there between you and God? Are you sure about that? There's not two, not three, not four. There is one mediator between you and God. Who is he? Jesus Christ. That settles it. You don't ever go through Mary or a priest or a saint or a pastor or a church, or a mentor to get to God. You have direct access to God through faith in Jesus Christ. He is your mediator. He stands in the gap and pleads your case as the accuser of the brethren comes. And as maybe the devil himself or other people make false accusations, Jesus stands in the gap and he protects and takes care of you. He speaks the truth. When accusations come, you can almost hear Jesus say, nope, she's mine. Nope, he's mine. Nope, that's not true. And he pleads for us. 
There's only one mediator, church. Only Jesus said and validated, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Remember at Jesus' baptism, the Father spoke from heaven, and what did he say? This is my beloved Son. Hear him. Pay attention to him. He's the one, the final voice. The Bible says that Jesus came and embodied God in human flesh. He said, if you want to know the Father, know me. Because if you know me, you know the Father. The Word, the Bible says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He embodies for us in physical form the attributes of God. And we as the body of Christ have the privilege of being dwelt by the Holy Spirit to manifest the attributes of God as they point to Jesus Christ. You have access that you can come to him directly, specifically. I know from time to time people get frustrated here, here in this little church, because, you know, we, we have, I think we have 12, 13 pastors that, that serve here on staff. Some work full-time here on the church, and a couple of them have other full-time jobs and they're serving. We also have countless hundreds of lay leaders, men and women here, that have positions of spiritual leadership. And from time to time, we will get feedback that maybe someone didn't get back to them on time. They called in desperation and left a message and didn't know the office was closed. Or maybe a pastor was on vacation and didn't forward his voicemail. There's a thousand different reasons why that happens. But people get frustrated because a pastor didn't get back to them. But part of that frustration should be eliminated because while you might be waiting for a pastor to call, you should call upon the Lord immediately and he will answer you. He is your help. Now, don't misunderstand me. I train the guys here. Hey, answer your phone calls right away. Answer your text message and email. So there is a part of it where that could be our responsibility. And I, we accept that responsibility and even ask for your forgiveness if it's ever happened to you. Not in any way dismissing our responsibility. However, if your desperation leads you to run to a man first, you will be disappointed. Because even just this week, this week I had, I had to be home this week, so I took a lot of phone calls, took a lot of things, I didn't have meetings, I had a lot of phone calls. So in my phone calls, I was talking to various people, and somebody laid something on me where my answer to them was, they said very much, Ed, what am I supposed to do? And my answer was, I don't know. I don't know what you're supposed to do. Let's pray. Because I believe God can show you what he wants you to do, but I just don't know. I don't have a word of wisdom. I don't have any direction. I've never experienced this before. I don't know. And you know, as men and women that serve together, we don't know everything. And our desperation, our desperation could lead us to disappointment if our desperation doesn't lead us to Jesus. Our desperation need. And you go, well, Ed, how do I do that? How do I call upon him? Just, just, just take your Bible and open it and begin to read it. You go, well, Ed, I'm, I, opened, I did that. I told you, you told me to do that last week, and I did that. And I opened to Leviticus, and I'm like, oh, man. Okay, so if you open to Leviticus, go somewhere else. <laughs> like the idea of, of going to the Bible, you're not going to the Bible looking for an answer. You're going to the Bible looking for God. He's got the answer. This isn't like a manual, although we call it a manual, and it's got great wisdom in it. It is a book written to you by a God that loves you. And as you draw near to God, the Bible says, He will draw near to you. That's a promise. And He will answer your questions. And, and perhaps as pastors, we can too. But the answer is, no matter what we say, no matter where we are in the Word, the answer will be the Lord. We have to point you to the Lord. I know that frustrates people, but don't be frustrated by it. Any pastor that always points you to the Lord is a good pastor. That's a good man, a good woman to have in your life. She's always pointing you to the Lord. You want that. 
As much as you may not want, you want that. A godly sister, a godly brother pointing you to the Lord. And here is, G, here is Paul telling young Timothy, but also telling the Hebrew, you want to quit, you want to run, you got to run to the mediator. That's where you have a mediator. You're not alone. You're not running this race alone. I know people are falling to the left, falling to the right, but you have a mediator. You have a mediator. Cling to him, look to him, trust him, hold fast to him. He's going to stand in the gap for you. Notice what he did. It says in Timothy, it says in verse 6, he gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He gave himself. That's very precise language. Only Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God in human flesh, has the authority to give himself on behalf of you and me. His blood for your sin and mine. He gave himself. And then the word ransom, that speaks of us being hostages. And we were. We were hostages to sin and death. And Jesus paid the price of our ransom to release us. And that's what really the essence of Hebrews 12 here is saying. He says, you were in prison to sin and you've been released from it. And you have freedom now in Jesus Christ. And you want to give up all your freedom. And then you know what it's like. You know what it's like. You go, well, man, I've lost so much. It's been so hard. People hate me now. I lost my job. Nobody cares. I've got to, in some countries, I've got to worship underground. I've got to protect, like it's, I've lost so much. Yeah, yeah, I do want to go back because I want these things temporarily. And the Lord would just say, no, no, no. Like, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? What is a profit? It doesn't profit anything. So don't quit, church. That's the word of the Lord for you today. Don't quit. I know you're tired. I know it's hard. I know you might have been distracted a little bit. I know you might be frustrated. I know the angst level is super high right now. Don't quit. Come back. Remember you're at Mount Zion. You're looking forward to the city. The angels are surrounding you. You're enjoying the presence of God. Heaven is coming for you. Heaven is your eternal reward. You, you can live at the kingdom of God here on earth as you pray to him and seek him. The good news is that we have a mediator. Remember Job? Remember Job? I remember as a new believer reading through the Bible and wondering why there was a book in the Bible titled Job. <laughs> Am I the only one? I, uh, as a new believer, hadn't read the Bible before, Job. No, his name is Job. That's his name. And Job was, as many scholars say, one of the first books of the Bible ever written. And Job, if you're familiar with his story, was a story of pain upon pain and things harder than hard. He experienced true, true, deep, scarring, seething, traumatic pain in the loss of his children, in the loss of his possessions, in the loss of his prestige, in the loss of his reputation. He lost friends. You look at the story, you go, well, at least his wife didn't leave him, but his, he lost his wife in many ways as she was also grieving and going through it. And it was just a bad situation. And you, you're sitting there and you're like, Man, Job, so much. And if you didn't know the end of the story, you'd just be grieving with him and hurting with him. And maybe you'd even agree with his friends because a couple of his friends show up, but they're not much of a help to him. They just start laying more guilt trips on him, more guilt trips on him, and they didn't help him at all. And there's a place in Job that he just feels so alone, I think. He feels so frustrated. He feels so just demoralized that he says something really powerful. Perhaps you found yourself in that very place. Listen, let me read it to you in Job chapter 9, verse 31. Probably something you didn't know was in the Bible. Listen to what he says. He's speaking to God, and he says, Yet you will plunge me into the pit, 
and my own clothes will abhor me. For he is not a man as I am, that I might answer him, and that we should go to court together. Nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hand on us both. Job was in that place where he's like, I've got nobody to speak on my behalf. I don't have anything else to say, but I don't have anyone to answer for me. I don't have anyone to plead my case. I don't have anyone to connect. Like we need a mediator. And because we need a mediator, God gave us the one to plead on our behalf, to stand in the gap for us, to speak for us, to comfort us, to encourage us. And it's not a priest, and it's not a pastor, and it's not a Mar- it's not Mary, not a saint. Only Jesus Christ is the mediator. Church, how many mediators do you have between you and God? Just one. And I want you to leave here more in love with him than when you walked in. He is for you, not against you in Christ. He is for you. He loves you. Even on your worst day, God loves you cares for you. And he gave himself as a ransom to deliver you from bondage. And that's what I want on your heart and mind before, as we enter into communion, consider the voice. Remember in Hebrews chapter one, it says God in various ways, various times spoke to us through the prophets, but in these last days has spoken to us through his son. And part of our desire to stay in grace and to abide in Christ is to remember There's nothing for us backwards. Remember what Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind, but what? Pressing forward, onward, upward. Those are the words of progress of faith. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I know it's challenging and hard, and I know it's going to be challenging and hard, but those things are what producing in us a true, pure faith. You know, it's interesting. You have have two things. Uh, You have belief, so you believe a set of truths, but faith puts those in action. So you believe, but then faith puts it in action. And so God is saying, okay, all these beliefs, everything you believe about God, I want you to put them in action and step forward. Don't go backwards, don't quit. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com if you'd like a replay or listen to Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Calvary Church or Ed Taylor and download that today. Pastor Ed, some of our listeners may not realize this, but you wrote a blog. What are some of the recent topics you've addressed and where can we go to read these? I do, Larry. I do write regularly on my blog, on my website, edtaylor.org. That's Ed taylor.org. It's very important that you go to .org, not .com, because the other .com address is owned by a professional Santa Claus. So you might be shocked when you, if you write, put the wrong address in and say, hey, this, this is Pastor Ed. Uh, no, Pastor Ed is at edtaylor.org. And I write on life in general, just how to live life in the Lord. I, I, I write a lot on ministry and leadership. Uh, spiritual leadership. I, I love that topic. I, I love to grow on that topic. I, I I love to encourage people in the Lord. And then unfortunately, I write on the topic of grief and, you know, just helping people process their grief as I have um, learned and, and I'm learning how to process the grief of the loss of my son and all the difficulties surrounding that loss. And, and so, you know, typical things I've been writing on, uh, ministry, I, I've been writing on uh, your desire to serve the Lord is a good one. I've written on Christian depression, 
Uh, spiritual leaders are sheep too. I've, I felt last week I needed to write about not being a compromising man or woman, but you know the fear of man. Uh, I quote Pastor Chuck every Friday. Uh, I love Pastor Chuck Smith, so I put something up by Pastor Chuck every Friday. Uh, I also have been collecting 10 Bible verses about different topics. So just so that people, when they're looking for things, at 10 Bible verses, and that's available. I write on the End Times. I mean, I, I just love to provide resources for people to grow. So go to edtaylor.org, edtaylor.org. And you'll find all that information there, and you can connect with all of our other ministries right there. Again, that's edtaylor.org. Check it out. And we also have a book we'd like to get into your hands that can serve to help you win the battle of your mind. If you struggle with unhealthy thoughts or emotions, this is a must-read. In Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, author Louis Giglio draws from Psalm 24, and he offers insight on how to cancel the lies that will wreck your life. You'll learn to stop the spiral of shame, temptation, and insecurity, and restore peace and rest in your life. Again, that's Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, our featured resource right now at Abounding Grace. Request a copy when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. We're here to serve you at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Celebrating 20 years of God's faithfulness, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Come back next time when we'll return to our study of Hebrews. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.